time to get inspired and improve your yoga knowledge in English. You're listening to Your Yoga in English, a podcast for yogis and yoga teachers that speak English as their second or third language and want to practice or teach yoga worldwide. I'm Annie, the founder of Enga Unite, and here to guide you on the way to become the confident and knowledgeable English-speaking yogi you want to be. Hello, and how are you doing today? How are you doing? Last week I was online already and we spoke about inclusivity. And today we're going to dive a little bit deeper or basically speak about three other ways to be more inclusive in your English yoga classes. Over the past months we have spoken about this a lot because it's a theme that comes back a lot. It's very popular in yoga at the moment among yoga teachers, among yoga practitioners. And it's just so much more that we can cover in only two chats about this topic. So we'll be revisiting time to time to dive more into it and create more awareness to educate ourselves, but also each other. So really, we're just scratching the surface. That's what I, I would like to say, which means that we're just in little bits of it, we're just putting out some thoughts and some ideas that you can think of. You can hopefully apply it to your own teaching skills and just have a think about it. See what it means to you and how you can use it in your own classes. I think it's important to start with saying that we all have our own perspectives. We all have our own cultures. We all have developed our own lifestyle and we all create our own way of thinking, our beliefs, but also limiting beliefs. And we have our own way of thinking what is normal. We develop our own type of normal. But your normal is just one perspective, one experience of one person in a very big, very often complicated world. As a yoga teacher, we deal with many, many, many different people, many different perspectives, many different cultural backgrounds, and therefore many different experiences. So it's very important that we work on how to understand others and lead more compassionate yoga classes. Recently, one of my teachers said, and I thought I would really like to share this with you because it's something that really got me thinking and really resonated, as they say, with me. And I think it's really great food for thought. So do with it what you like, but maybe use it as a reflection for yourself in your own yoga classes. So he said, you can really tell a teacher's attempt to inclusivity by the people that show up in their classes. So if the people that show up in their classes all look very much or similar or basically the same as the teacher, they often don't really do much about it. If there's all types of sizes, ages, colors, shapes, This could mean that the teacher really is making an effort to provide inclusive but also accessible yoga classes. There's always exceptions and there's always other ways because this is based on experiences, it's based on where you live or what your local community is like, maybe who your friends are. 
But like I said, take this with you. Just have a thought of it, about it. And let me know what you think. Let me know if you agree with this, if you completely disagree with this. We're all open to discussion here. We're going to speak about inclusivity and specifically three things. Last week, we spoke about inclusivity in terms of countries, languages, and religion. So we spoke about how to adapt your yoga classes to people that don't speak English as their first language. That's what we do here. We only work with people that don't speak English as their first language. And also how to adapt them to their cultural backgrounds and how that plays a role. If you missed this topic, if you missed the chat of last week, you can listen to it on our uh, Spotify. So it's Your Yoga in English, and you will see a list of different episodes. It's the last one. Well, depending on when you listen to this, it's called uh, Ways of Being Inclusive in Your English Yoga Classes. But you can also find it on Instagram TV, and you can find it on uh, YouTube. YouTube, we are called Enga Unite, or any from Enga Unite. Uh, so it's everywhere but always posting everything everywhere to really help people from different backgrounds find the the content because not everyone is on facebook not everyone is on instagram and not everyone listens to podcasts so trying to be everywhere but today so last week was about cultures religion and languages today we're speaking about health conditions femininity or identifying as a woman and body idealism so health conditions, femininity, or identifying as a woman, and body idealism. Let me know your thoughts. What is your experience with this? Do you have an experience with this? Or maybe if you're a yoga teacher, how does this play part in your classes? Are you taking these things into account? Are you aware of them? Of course, it's needless to say that we never stop learning. I don't have all the answers and I consider myself an internal learner, an internal student. I might be teaching yoga, but I'm always a student. And language is something that's always evolving. There's always something new to learn. There's always new things that come up, words that we make up and then are added to the dictionary, words that have evolved because of two languages joining, coming together as well as inclusive language, which nowadays is a very big thing. It's something that's really, really evolving fastly. So it's something that we need to stay aware of. And like I said, all that we're speaking about today is open to discussion. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts, your personal experiences, and the other points that you would like to educate us on or maybe share with us, because only by learning from each other and hearing about other people's experiences, we can actually take more and more things into consideration and create truly compassionate, accessible, and inclusive yoga classes. If you're new to inclusivity or new to this topic in general, see this as an invitation to do your own research. Adapt your language gradually with the things that you pick up or learn along the way. You're allowed, and I want you to know, you're allowed to make mistakes, but it is important that we take responsibility for the language we use, and especially in a sensitive world, or emotional job like teaching yoga because it's a very emotional atmosphere or environment that we work in so let's dive in ah, number one health conditions 
And this is a big one. It's a really big one, health conditions. So there's all types of health conditions. We have mental health, physical health, injuries, disabilities, the list goes on. But remember that you can't physically see all health conditions. And some health conditions that seem tiny to you might actually be a very big obstacle for another person or for another person in their life. And health conditions are countless, and we can't be an expert on all of them. Also remember, yoga teachers are not necessarily also doctors. So health conditions is a very, very big topic. I can't cover all health conditions in a chat like this. But for today, I want to focus on something that seems so obvious, yet we don't really pay much attention to it um, when we teach yoga. Any ideas? Any ideas what this could be? It's something all of us do all the time. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. It's something that we focus on all the time in our yoga classes. We constantly remind people to come back to it, to connect to it, to actionable do something. And you probably have guessed it by now. It's breathing. It's something that's so obvious and so present in our yoga classes that we often forget that this could be a real problem for people. So we can assume that everyone that comes to our yoga class is breathing. But do you ask yourself how they are breathing and what their present or their past experience is with breathing? Is it something that they need to think about day by day or hour by hour? Is this something that really forms an obstacle in their life? Because think of people with asthma or cystic fibrosis, people with pulmonary or lung diseases. If you have a disease that affects your breathing, you might experience physical pain. It can be a source of fear or trauma. It can be something that really blocks your, your way of being and opening up because you're constantly thinking about it or see it as an obstacle or experience it rather as an obstacle in your life. So finding out about your students' health conditions can really help you to accommodate their experience while you teach. You might hear some teachers and especially teacher trainers tell you to never ask for injuries or illnesses before a class. You know, when you get into a yoga class and the teacher asks you, do you have any injuries that I need to be aware of today? Some teachers tell you never to ask it. But, and I feel really bad now, but I really strongly disagree with this. I think it's very irresponsible because don't underestimate how reassuring it is for a person with a condition, to know that their teacher is being responsible. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of reliability. And it shows that you care. If, and this is the reason I'm going to explain, the reason why people tell you to not ask for it is because you don't always have the answer to it or don't know what to do with it. But if their answer is a health condition that you're not familiar with, something that you don't know much about, it's okay to say that at the moment you don't know. You could simply say, I'm sorry, but I know very little about your health condition and I will need to find out more before I can give you recommendations or give you alternatives. Then 
for this class, tell them to decide to do what only feels safe and comfortable for them and to find variations that work for them. Also offer accessible variations and options and be there for the student when they need you. Check in with them regularly or pay some extra attention to them during the class. Then after your class, seek for information from a reliable, so from trustworthy medical sources. So really do make an effort to study these things because yes, it might be scary to ask people about their illnesses and their injuries. But showing that you care about them can be really, really reassuring for the students. It also will help you if you follow the process that I just gave you as an example, of course. But if you do ask about it, they will not be the only person experiencing those things. There's always other people. And I'm pretty sure that at some point in your yoga career, there will be other people coming to you with the same thing. So it's a great way to educate yourself on the things that people experience and next time know the answer or be able to give them an answer or a suggestion or recommendation. It's only a way to learn. And like I said, it's completely fine to not know the answer, but take your responsibility to do your research after. Then you might have learned that yoga can help improve or even cure certain conditions. I strongly advise as well to not take this into your classes or force yoga on people because you think it will be helping them in any way. Remember that when the student is ready, they will come and they will find their teacher. Everyone is unique. Everyone has a different condition. Everyone has a different experience. Everyone is at different stages in their life. When yoga is for them, they will find it when time is there or when they feel ready. And if someone asks you to, to help them out with things and you don't know, do your research. And remember, it doesn't have to be rushed either. It can also be done together with the other person and see it as a learning opportunity. Okay, the next point, which is quite of a sensitive point, and I'm a little bit nervous of speaking about it because there's very different opinions on it. So I'm trying to stay as neutral as possible. I personally have very little of an opinion about this. I'm just speaking from experience, things that I've seen, but it's femininity or identifying as a woman. Femininity and identifying as a woman. You will probably see a lot of classes and workshops that are themed something along the lines of female empowerment. And I do think female empowerment is amazing. I think it's amazing that we all want to work on our mindset and feeling great in our body, that we're happy with our body. But I do believe that doing this actually is a way to exclude some people. Because in these things, we often refer to cycles, and it could simply be a lunar cycle or a seasonal cycle, but also a menstruation cycle. If you, at some point in your yoga career, refer to menstruation or female identity, be aware that these two things are not dependent on each other, that these two things don't always come together. Because there are women who were born as a woman and experience periods. Women who are born as a woman don't experience periods. Women that were born as a male 
but do experience periods and so on. So there's all different possibilities here. And by really hammering female or feminine or menstruation as a part of our identity, we are excluding people. And then aside from gender, for some people, menstruation is something that they really love, really enjoy, and they can't wait for this monthly party that they've got going on. For others, it's a real source of trauma. It's something that is really upsetting because they either don't feel that the functions belong to their body or belong to their personality. It could also be a source of trauma in terms of damaging experiences from certain health conditions. So if you like to see in your classes something along the lines of female empowerment or celebrating femininity, revise your script. Who is this class for? Who is going to this class or this workshop or this whatever? And how could the instructions, the cues, the questions that I ask during this session be challenging or impossible or traumatic? And why could this be challenging, impossible or traumatic? And how can I avoid that? Or how can I replace it? So be really, really mindful with the language you use and the assumptions you make and the things that you refer to based on your experience of normal or your experience of femininity. So then we speak about stereotypes. So some people really like their female or feminine characteristics like menstruation, but we also can speak about having curves or big breasts or long hair. And for some people, this is great. For something that some people, they don't like this at all. But these stereotypes ignore our diversity and represent us incorrectly. So when finding ways of including every physical body, every body as a collective, but also every physical body in your English yoga classes, we again need to think of the words and the postures and the variations that are suitable for every body type. For example, a person would like to have curves, but not have them. Another person might have curves, but hates it. Someone else might have lost a feminine or a feminine characteristics, such as their breasts due to surgery, or they lost their hair due to a type of treatment, or they lost a body part, any type of body part due to an accident. So... In your yoga classes, my advice is here to, you don't need to know about your student's relationship with their body or their identity, with their feminine or masculine aspects. Because even if you ask, they will not give you the whole story, depending on your relationship, of course, but this is not something that you can share in your three minutes or five minutes before a yoga class. So you never really know what exactly is going on in the person's life or what has happened in the past or what's happening right now. But what you can do is to adapt your language and your content to a broader experience that allows your students to explore, accept and care for their body in their own way. So really, really being aware of the language we use, using it as general as possible making it applicable to many different experiences and backgrounds, mindsets, and types of trauma.
I'm going to move on to the last point of today, which is body idealism. I'm going to start with a question. How often do you or have you looked in the mirror and see only the things or saw, see or saw only the things that you didn't like, that you only focus on imperfection? How often have you looked in the mirror and you only see things that you didn't like or only looked at all your imperfections? Because I do. <laughs> and I know that a lot of my friends do. A lot of my yogi colleagues do and people do. So I'm sure I'm not alone. And you might be feeling the same. Because sadly, most of our beauty is not recognized because of our specific ideas of a desired body shape, a desired size, or a desired way of being from the outside. But the funny thing is that these perceptions or these ideas or ideals better, they change. They change from person to person. They change from the country or the place that you live in. They change with age. So they're not real. These ideas of what we should look like and what we should be like are really unrealistic. So in your yoga classes, promote real beauty. Focus on the beauty of being a human being, regardless of shape or size or color or personality or identity. Focus on the beauty of loving yourself and others in all our own diversity. So when you teach, stay away from words that refer to idealized body types or perceptions of normal. Exclude exclusive beauty standards like the bikini body, the yoga body, the dancer body, lockdown weight, Christmas weight, and so many more different and unhealthy labels. Stay away from these types of expressions, words, the vocabulary, and then really avoid them, not because we, we want to be really nice with everyone, but avoid them in order to not fuel our toxic relationship with our body and with beauty. So... Be careful not to use words that could be associated with eating disorders, for example, or with words like connotations that people have with their experience or their condition. So very specifically, avoid words like thin and heavy, um, cues like flatten your stomach or suck your stomach in, because think of this, think of how upsetting it could be for someone that is recovering, is recovering from or had an eating disorder or has an eating disorder, how upsetting could these type of cues or these type of words be? Or for a person that with whatever experience they had, the size or the shape of their stomach was a source of fear or anxiety or of ill health. For example, mothers that try to accustom to hormonal changes of their prenatal or their postnatal body. Instead of saying flatten your stomach or suck your stomach in, <laughs> you could say engage your core or bring the navel to your spine. The whole focus is taken away from the stomach or your belly. Is your core and the navel to the spine. We're not really thinking of our beauty standards here. So helping your students to see the beauty in themselves and each other, no matter what they look like, 
is a real great way to include everybody and every physical body when teaching yoga. And highlight, highlight that true beauty doesn't have ideals or standards. You know this, we all know this. We can be very romantic or poetic about it, but highlight these things. People need to hear it time and a time and a time again because the thoughts that go on in their minds are not thoughts that they often speak about. So the more we can repeat this in our communication, whether it's in your yoga classes, on social media, in conversation with your friends, the more people will start to believe in themselves and in their own beauty. So creating inclusivity really is an ongoing, never-ending path of education and work. And inclusive language, just like any other language, is constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. There's always new things that come to the service, always things that we can educate ourselves on. And it really is an important aspect of being a yoga teacher. So I've got two advices. The first one. From now on, if you didn't already, keep your eyes, your ears, and everything around you. Keep it open. Listen, discuss, read. It's really, really important that we keep doing our own research and that we question ourselves. It's all about thinking before you speak and training yourself to unlearn or to not use words and expressions that... Um, that are not inclusive anymore. Then acknowledge honestly what you don't know. Reflect on how you could learn and, and learn and develop yourself in a way that you can support others and treat everyone as equals. And I understand all of this seems like a big task because there's a lot going on and it can be very overwhelming, especially at the start. I've been there. But I want to reassure that you don't need to have all the answers right now. Really just be open to it. Really just allow yourself to learn, allow yourself to make mistakes and take it step by step, day by day, class by class, however you want to look at it. The second advice is to revise your class plans or your scripts and see where you can change or improve your wording or your language. And then either, if you're going to use those classes again, rewrite your scripts or from now on, write your scripts in a way that they are universal experiences in which you can offer variations and adaptable content, which represents as many people as possible. Do the same on your social media. The captions that you post in your, in your Instagram posts or your Facebook posts, whatever you feel inspired to share, revise your language. See if there's anything that excludes anyone. Yeah, and really think of your language and how it could affect and exclude anyone around you, anyone that you know, and anyone that you don't know. Because especially if you post things or you teach classes in several places, there will always be people that you don't know and come there with their personal experience and their personal stories. And we can't just assume, we can't assume anything. So be aware of the way that you show up for your own community. All right. And remember, you know, I always ask questions in the end, but sometimes we go into the day and then suddenly think of something. If you have questions that come to you later, always, always, always feel free to, to write me a message and I will get to you as soon as I can. 
or I will answer in a new training or chat because we're here every Thursday. Have a look on our podcast as well. There's more trainings like this, many different types. Have a look on the blog because there is more blogs with information about these topics that include worksheets as well. So maybe that could be a good way for you to learn. Remember to join our group on Facebook. The group is called Teach Yoga in English Support Group and it's especially for yoga teachers that are non-native English speakers but would like to learn how to teach yoga in English. And I hope to see you all very, very soon again. Have a great rest of your day and see you later. <laughs> you listen to Your Yoga in English Brought to you by Enga Unite, a unique online learning platform for non-native English-speaking yogis and yoga teachers. If you feel inspired and like what you learned today, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and follow us at Enga Unite and become a member of our online community, Your Yoga in English on Facebook. Practice, rest, repeat and all will come.